This is an audio version of How Bad Could a War Get? by Stephen Clare and Rani Martin, published on the 4th of November 2022. It begins with a short acknowledgements section which I'll read at the end. Previously in this series, modelling great power conflict as an existential risk factor and how likely is World War III? And those are both links to those articles on the EA forum. Section heading. Introduction and Context In How Likely is World War III, Stephen suggested the chance of an extinction-level war occurring sometime this century is just under 1%. This was a simple, rough estimate, made in the following steps. 1. Assume that wars, that is, conflicts that cause at least 1,000 battle deaths, continue to break out at their historical average rate of about one every two years. 2. Assume that the distribution of battle deaths in wars follows a power law. 3. Use parameters for the power law distribution estimated by Beer-Braumuller in Only the Dead to calculate the chance that any given war escalates to 8 billion battle deaths. 4. Work out the likelihood of such a war given the expected number of wars between now and 2100. That's the end of that list. Not everybody was convinced. Arden Kayla of 80,000 Hours, for example, slammed it as, quote, overstating the risk because it doesn't consider that wars would be unlikely to continue once 90% or more of the population has been killed. End quote. While our friendship may never recover, I, Stephen, have to admit that some scepticism is justified. An extinction-level war would be 30 to 100 times larger than World War II, the most severe war humanity has experienced so far. And there's a footnote here. The severity of a war refers to the number of battle deaths it causes. World War II killed about 65 million people, which was around 3% of the global population at the time. So a modern extinction-level war would be about 100 times more severe in absolute terms and 30 times more severe in proportional terms. In this post, we also sometimes refer to the intensity of a war. This refers to the number of battle deaths divided by the pooled populations of the countries involved. Back to the main text. Is it reasonable to just assume number go up? Would the same escalatory dynamics that shape smaller wars apply at this scale? Forecasting the likelihood of enormous wars is difficult, Stephen's extrapolatory approach creates estimates that are sensitive to the data included and the kind of distribution fit, particularly in the tails. But such efforts are important despite their defects. Estimates of the likelihood of major conflict are an important consideration for cause prioritisation. And out-of-sample conflicts may account for most of the X-risk accounted for by global conflict. So in this post we interrogate two of the assumptions made in How Likely Is World War III? 1. Does the distribution of battle deaths follow a power law? And 2. What do we know about the extreme tales of this distribution? Our findings are, the first one, that battle deaths per war are plausibly distributed according to a power law, but few analyses have compared the power law fit to the fit of other distributions. Plus, it's hard to say what the tales of the distribution look like beyond the wars we've experienced so far. 
Next finding? To become more confident in the power law fit and learn more about the tales, we have to consider theory. What drives war and how might these factors change as wars get bigger? Next finding? Perhaps some factors limit the size of war, such as increasing logistical complexity. One candidate for such a factor is technology. But while it seems plausible that in the past, humanity's war-making capacity was not sufficient to threaten extinction, this is no longer the case. Next finding? This suggests that wars could get very, very bad. We shouldn't rule out the possibility that war could cause human extinction. That's the end of that list. Section heading. Battle deaths and power laws. Heading. Fitting power laws. One way to gauge the probability of -of out-of-sample events is to find a probability distribution, a mathematical function which gives estimates for how likely different events are, which describes the available data. If we can find a well-fitting distribution, then we can use it to predict the likelihood of events larger than anything we've observed, but within the range of the function describing the distribution. Several researchers have proposed that the number of battle deaths per war is distributed according to a power law. Power law distributions are described by a formula wherein the probability of an event x is proportional to the value of x raised to the power negative alpha. These distributions look like this. Here is figure 1, power law distributions of various scaling parameters. So here's a graph showing the lines for different values of alpha in that equation above. And then we have arrows that point out that these kind of distributions lead to many small events and a few big events. And in accordance with that, we see lines that begin quite high when x is small, and then come down quite quickly before flattening out and gradually growing closer and closer to the x-axis. The text goes on. Alpha, the scaling parameter, determines the shape of the distribution. As the figure above shows, the smaller the alpha, the longer the tails of the distribution. There's a simple way to interpret this parameter. If one event is twice as large as another, it is 2 to the power of alpha times less likely. Long tails are an important feature of power laws. Events many orders of magnitude larger than the mean or median observation are unlikely, but not impossible. However, we need to be careful when fitting power laws. Other long-tailed distributions may fit the same data, but imply different probabilities for out-of-sample events. Since the tails of power laws are so long, improperly fitting this distribution to our data can lead us to overestimate the likelihood of -of out-of-sample events. Heading. Power laws and conflict data. Rani conducted an informal literature review to assess the strength of the evidence for a power law distribution of war deaths. You can find a summary of her review, including the goodness of fit tests, here, and that's a link. She found six papers and one book in which a power law distribution is fitted to data on battle deaths per war. In each case, a power law was found to be a plausible fit for the conflict data. Estimates for the alpha of conflict death data range from 1.35 to 1.74, with a mean of 1.60. Anything in this range would be considered a relatively low value of alpha. 
Most empirical power laws have alpha values between 2 and 3. In other words, if these estimates are accurate, the tail of the battle death distributions is scarily long. Here is a graph, figure 2. Power law model of war severity, from clause A. Trends and fluctuations in the severity of interstate wars. Note that the axes are logarithmic and do not start at zero. And so, as described, we see a graph with battle deaths on the x-axis and fraction of wars with at least x deaths on the y-axis, both logarithmic axes. And we see a high number of points have been plotted, most of them clustered in the lower battle deaths area and obviously a few clustered in the higher battle deaths area. And they seem to fit a straight line on this graph. And then a smaller embedded graph shows a power law exponent alpha of somewhere around 1.5 or just above it. The main text continues. How scary, exactly? In Only the Dead, political scientist Pierre Braumuller gives his estimated parameters to infer the probability of enormous wars. His distribution gives a 1 in 200 chance of a given war escalating to be twice as bad as World War II, and 3 in 10,000 chance of it causing 8 billion deaths, that is, human extinction. That's bad news. If wars continue to break out at their historical average rate of one every two years, Raumiller's estimates imply an approximately 18% chance of war, twice as bad as World War II, and an approximately 1.2% chance of an extinction war, occurring between now and 2100. And there's a footnote here. Note that this uses Braumuller's estimates of the distribution of severity, the number of battle deaths. This may underestimate the chance of an extinction war for at least two reasons. First, world population has been growing over time. If we instead consider the proportion of global population killed per war instead, extreme outcomes may seem more likely. Second, he does not consider civilian deaths. Historically, the ratio of civilian deaths to battle deaths in war has been about one to one, though there's a lot of variation across wars. So fewer than 8 billion battle deaths would be required for an extinction war, since many civilians would also be killed. Back to the main text. Heading. Breaking the law. Before we all start digging bunkers, though, it's worth highlighting a few caveats. First, and most importantly, only two papers in the review also check whether older distributions might fit the same data. Clauset, Chalizy and Newman, 2009, consider four other distributions, namely log-normal, exponential, stretched exponential, and power law with cutoff, while Rafael González-Val, 2015, also considers a log-normal fit. Both papers find that alternative distributions also fit the correlates of war data well. In fact, when Clauset, Chalizy, and Newman compare the fit of the different distributions, they find no reason to prefer the power law. And there's a footnote here with a quote from Clauset, Chalizy, and Newman, 2009. Quote, In particular, the distributions for birds, books, cities, religions, wars, citations, papers, proteins, and terrorism are plausible power laws. But they are also plausible lognormals and stretched exponentials. End quote. Then the footnote continues. Note that stretched exponential is not found to be a good fit for the war data. See table 6.2 on page 28 of the paper for details. 
It should also be noted that, confusingly, a cutoff in quotes power law distribution doesn't actually have a hard upper bound. Instead, the distribution is multiplied by an exponential function. This thins, in quotes, the tail, but doesn't actually change the range. Back to the main text. Second, there are potentially important data limitations. Wars are relatively rare, especially large wars that kill an appreciable fraction of the world, and death counts are uncertain for many wars. The small sample size makes our estimates of the underlying distributions more uncertain. It also means that our parameter estimates are sensitive and could change in important ways if uncertain death counts are revised. Unfortunately, our estimates of the probability of extreme tail events are super sensitive to changes in these parameters. Third, most of the papers we considered use the correlates of war dataset. Analyses using other datasets may produce different parameter estimates. The correlates of war dataset also excludes many countries from its dataset in the pre-World War II period. Thanks to Ben Garfinkel for bringing this point to our attention in his comment linked here. If, for some reason, the excluded countries were more likely than average to fight especially large or small wars, then the estimates using these data may be biased. Fourth, analyses that group together wars over time implicitly ignore potential changes in the distribution over time. Perhaps the probability distribution for deaths in a 21st century war is different from the distributions for 20th or 19th century wars. Whether the frequency or severity of war has been changing over time is a complicated question. Economic growth, globalization, technological change, and political and social institutions are dynamic and all plausibly influence the conduct of war. And a footnote hereafter, whether the frequency or severity of war has been changing over time is a complicated question, states that Stephen previously discussed this in How Likely is World War III and his report for Founders Pledge. That's the end of the footnote. Section heading. What does the tail of the distribution look like? To summarise the previous section, battle deaths are plausibly distributed according to a power law. But there is some evidence that other distributions also fit the same data. We also have to contend with the fact that we have a small sample size and the distribution could be changing over time. Suppose, though, that we could establish with confidence that battle deaths are power law distributed. Extrapolating would still pose a problem. Power laws with alpha less than 2 have an infinite mean. But the range of the battle death distribution can't stretch to infinity. Its upper bound must be, at most, the global population. And it could even be lower than this, with the distribution bending downwards at some point between the largest war we've ever observed and the logical limit. See pages 113 to 14 of Braumuller's Only the Dead for more discussion. We can't tell if or where the distribution is capped based on data alone. We need to consider, quote, physical motivating or theoretical factors, end quote. And there's a footnote here with another quote from Clause Aaron, Cosma Rohila Shalizi, and Mark E.J. Newman, Power Law Distributions in Empirical Data, 2009. Quote, in cases such as these, it is important to look at physical motivating or theoretical factors to make a sensible judgment about which distributional form is more reasonable. We must consider whether there is a mechanistic or other non-statistical argument 
favouring one distribution or another. End quote. Back to the main text. Chofi Revilla and Midlaski, 2004, for example, argue that enormous wars are less likely than they should be according to the power war. Footnote, more specifically, they compare a distribution fitted to the entire correlates of war dataset to a distribution fitted to the top decile of international wars, n equals 13. They find that the parameters are significantly different. This violates one of the properties of true, in quotes, power law distributions, which is that the same parameters describe the data everywhere in its range. Back to the main text. They venture two explanations for this observation. First, they suggest that as a larger proportion of the population is drawn into the war, public pressure on the government to end the war grows. This, quote, democratization of war limits the extent to which they can scale. Second, the international system is, quote, finite. As wars escalate, they become more complex. They suggest that the diplomatic, strategic and logistical dynamics of enormous wars may be too difficult to manage. And here's a footnote with a quote from Chofi Revilla and Mindlaski, 2004. Quote, There are just so many belligerents, so many possible war alliances, so much armament, so many combat fronts that can be managed simultaneously, and so forth. As a result, the theoretically possible largest magnitudes of warfare are never actually realised due to the underlying anite dynamics. End quote. Back to the main text. While we don't find either of those explanations fully convincing, at least Choffy Revilla and Midlaski are trying to sketch the tale of the distribution. This is a rich vein for future research. We'd be very interested in seeing analyses that try to connect the observed distribution of outcomes to insights from the IR literature on models of escalation. These would give more insight into the shape of the tale. Here, we want to touch on a narrower, and perhaps distinctly EA, claim. Are there technological reasons to think that the distribution of outcomes is bounded at a severity level below extinction? In other words, do we have the weaponry to kill ourselves in war? This focus may seem too narrow, but if we can find just one limiting factor among the various inputs needed for war, then we can be confident in lowering our upper bound. Heading. Weapon technology as a mechanistic factor. In the 19th century, the first century included in the correlates of war dataset, it's plausible that technology limited the degree to which wars could escalate. To be sure, some extremely bloody wars were still fought. In the Paraguayan War of 1864-70, for example, it's plausible that more than half of Paraguay's population was killed, though estimates are highly uncertain. 5% of the combined population of Paraguay, Brazil, Argentina and Uruguay died in that war, making it the most intense conflict since 1816, at least, even before accounting for civilian deaths. We're using the war intensity data set Braumuller used for only the dead. There's a link here where you can see a copy of it. But it surely stretches credulity to think that this war, or even larger conflicts like the Napoleonic Wars, could have continued escalating until they threatened all of humanity. Footnote. What about before the 18th century? Luke Mulhauser has estimated that 9.5% of the world's population died in Genghis Khan's conquests. 
that's still well short of an extinction-threatening catastrophe. And there's a link to a blog post here about this, by Luke Mulhauser. On with the main text. But in a world of ICBMs, biological agents, kamikaze drones, and autonomous systems, technology is less of a constraint. So here we have a graph titled War Making Capacity. It's figure three, drawn from Luke Mulhauser's How Big a Deal Was the Industrial Revolution? So it's a hockey stick graph. On the x-axis it has years, from negative 1,000 to around 2,000. And then the y-axis, not labelled, ranges from 0 to 150. And we see points plotted with one at around 500 BC. And then at regularly spaced intervals after the year 0 until the present day. And we notice that at this scale and resolution they just don't lift above 0 until after 1800. And they slowly begin to increase and then shoot up at around 1900. The main text continues. Nuclear weapons may have the potential to cause a nuclear winter that threatens extinction, though this is controversial and surprisingly understudied. On pages 84 to 91 of the Founders' Pledge report, Stephen expressed scepticism about this, though did not rule it out. We've become slightly more concerned after the Metaculous Nuclear Horizons forecasts, which put worryingly high probabilities on extreme death counts following nuclear exchanges like a 45% chance of more than 4 billion deaths given a 1,000 detonations or more. That seems too high. There aren't that many forecasts. And a similar question puts just a 2% chance of extinction in the same scenario. It seems we should have some credence on the possibility that an all-out nuclear war could cause extinction, though it may be unlikely. Emerging Technologies chiefly bioweapons or military AI systems, also seem to have the potential to cause human extinction. On bioweapons, you might want to read 80,000 Hours article on biological risks and W. Seth Karras's review of biological weapons programs since 1915. For military AI, we recommend Christian Rule's report for Founders Pledge. The risk of a catastrophic, extinction-level biological event is, quote, difficult to rule out, end quote. And that's a quote from Will McCaskill's What We Owe the Future, 2022. Deliberate use in a war is among the plausible trigger mechanisms for such an event. Autonomous systems are potentially scarier still. In fact, military AI systems pose special risks as they're likely to be developed in secrecy, linked to weapons technologies like drones and missile systems, and deployed in, quote, complex, hazardous and adversarial environments. End quote. That's a quote from Paul Shah's Debunking the AI Arms Race. Again, there doesn't seem to be a strong reason to think there's an upper bound to the amount of people that could be killed in a war featuring widespread deployment of AI commanders or lethal autonomous weapons systems. In fact, Paul Shah of the Center for New American Security has previously speculated that AI could make escalation more likely. There's a reference here to Shah's AI Arms Race. So, on technological grounds at least, there seem to be no strong reasons to think that the distribution of war outcomes continues all the way to the level of human extinction. Audio note, this conclusion there seems to contradict what was said above. It's possible that the authors have made a typo, but I have narrated it as it appears in the article. Section heading, conclusion. We set out to investigate what the probability distribution of outcomes looked like for a modern global war. Some IR research has shown that a power law distribution is a plausible fit, given the battle-death data we have. 
but few analyses have compared the fit to that of other distributions. And the few that have found that it's not clearly better than a log-normal or cut-off power law distribution. Plus, even if fitting a power law is appropriate, the extent to which we can extrapolate this distribution to infer the likelihood of events outside of the available data is unclear. So we have to go beyond the data and ask, given what we know about how wars are fought, does a war so large it constitutes an existential catastrophe seem implausible? There are many different factors one could consider, and unfortunately a dearth of literature to rely on. Focusing on the reach of modern weapons, we found no strong reasons to think that an extinction-level war is not technologically possible. A 21st century great power war could see weapons of mass destruction deployed on an unprecedented scale. Since we cannot rule out extinction-level scenarios following the use of bioweapons or advanced military AI systems, it's plausible that the distribution of possible outcomes includes extinction. Of course, there could be other limiting factors. Future research could examine other candidates. For example, how do the political costs of further escalation change? How does the ratio of civilian to military deaths change? Are there logistical, tactical or economic factors that limit how large wars can get? And for any proposed limiting factor, how does it interact with the existential risk of a runaway bioweapon or military AI system? Given the destructive potential of nukes, bioweapons and AI systems, though, our guess is that it will be hard to rule out the possibility that a war could get very, very bad indeed. We don't think there's an upper bound, not at 5%, nor at 90%, nor at any point in between. And the article ends with Figure 4, the Battle of Stalingrad, and it's a black and white image of soldiers dressed in white snowsuits with guns, trekking around in the ruins of the city of Stalingrad, and it looks completely post-apocalyptic. Everything has been completely flattened, except for a few skeletal remains of buildings, which are just single walls. This was an audio version of How Bad Could a War Get? by Stephen Clare and Rani Martin, published on the 4th of November 2022. This reading was by Perrin Walker and produced by Type 3 Audio.